0: Well, good morning, church family. Whether you are here in person or if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you're here for as we wrap up our series on Elijah and courage. And not only is today the end of our series, but today we're going to be looking at the end of Elijah's earthly life. Now, earlier, when God brought Elijah out of depression and exhaustion, God gave the aging prophet Elijah a task to anoint the younger prophet Elisha as his successor. And now in the closing days of his life on earth, God has given Elijah a challenge to pass on the mantle of his authority. Have you heard this phrase, pass the mantle? It's gonna be a pretty big theme for us today. So what does the word mantle mean? What do you picture? Is it where you hang your Christmas stockings? That's certainly a mantle, right? M-A-N-T-E-L. And that's certainly the idea of a mantle, but it seems a bit challenging to pass around, right? So what about the mantle that can be passed from one person to another? Like this one that Larry wore to work the other day. <laughs> a mantle, M-A-N-T-L-E, it was a protective layer of covering that would surround your shoulders. The NIV translation that maybe some of you have calls it a cloak in our passage today. Now, both of these words, which sound exactly the same, they come from the same meaning, right? The idea of a layer that surrounds or protects something else, kind of like a shield. So the way a mantle protects and surrounds a fireplace, or the way a mantle is protecting someone's shoulders from cold and from the elements, or even if you're in science class right now, even the way that the Earth's mantle protects the crust where we live from that super hot, fiery core in the inside of the Earth. So the mantle, the one that people wore in ancient times, eventually became a symbol of authority. I mean, Larry looks like a guy who commands authority here, right? Well, the phrase, pass the mantle, it comes from our scripture passage today, from 2 Kings 2, that's its origin. We're gonna be talking about it more later and explaining the significance of it. We're gonna see how Elijah displayed courage in the face of his own mortality as he passed the mantle of authority to his successor, Elisha. Now, quick random question. How many of you prefer watching TV with closed captions on? I know, there's quite a few of us. and I, I think we're all gonna wish that we had closed captions for this sermon too because let me just tell you, the names Elijah with a J and Elisha with an S-H, they sound so similar. So I'm gonna do my very best to enunciate clearly and you just give it your best guess and go with it, okay? All right. So today, as we're talking about Elijah's, with a J, Elijah's final hours on Earth, we're going to have to face up to our own mortality, too. Do you think about your own mortality very often? I bet most of us don't. A few weeks ago, my family was about to leave church, and my daughter, Irena, got this massive nosebleed. It took an hour for us to get it to stop. And as we were sitting there trying to help her out, our four-year-old son, Elijah, Elijah, we did not name our son Elijah, our four-year-old son Porter looked at his sister with great concern, and he said, is she going to die? And we looked back at him very seriously and said, yes, (laughs) but not from this. (laughs) But it's true. All of our days are numbered, right? And what we do with the days that we have remaining, it does matter. So in this sermon, I want to suggest that it's never too early for us to think about the legacy that we leave. How are we sharing with others what God has shared with us? How is our courage contagious? So listen as I read from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Then Elijah said to him, "'Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan.'" And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. May God bless the reading of this word. Now, who are some of the most influential people you can think of? Maybe it's celebrities like Oprah Winfrey or Kim Kardashian or athletes like Simone Biles or LeBron James. Maybe it's change agents like Malala Yousafzai, preachers like Billy Graham, missionaries like William Carey and Hudson Taylor. Or maybe it's somebody that most people haven't even heard of. Are you wondering who this last picture is? His name is Philip Moody. And when I served on staff at King's Cross Church in Tullahoma, Tennessee, I was fresh out of seminary and I had no idea how much I had yet to learn. But Philip took me under his wing and mentored me. He taught me about their unique church culture. He encouraged me and supported me as I tried new things. And he even took me along with him on hospital visits. And I'll never forget one thing that he said to me on a hospital visit after I'd been there a little while. He said, you've started some wonderful new ministries, but that's not what people are going to remember. He said, what they'll remember years from now is not the programs that you started or quote the sermons that you preached. He said, what they're going to remember is the way that you loved and served them in their time of greatest need. What an important lesson for a young pastor to learn, right? I'm so grateful for Philip Moody. If I was the young, untested Elisha, then he was my Elijah, an experienced mentor, ready and willing to pass that mantle of leadership. Now, Howard Hendricks, who's a longtime professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, he says that every person needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. In other words, he's saying we all need a mentor who's investing in us. That's Paul. We all need a friend who's not impressed by us, who can be a truth teller and an encourager for us. That's Barnabas. And we all need someone whom we are investing in. That's our Timothy. So whether you're 15, or 50, or 90, I hope we'll ask ourselves this question today. How am I sharing with others what God has shared with me? What legacy am I preparing to leave? How can I pass the mantle to someone else? Well, as we look at Elijah, I think the first thing we'll see that he did was modeling. Be someone worth following. See, a few chapters earlier in 1 Kings 19, God had told Elijah to anoint the younger Elisha to succeed him as prophet. So Elijah went and he found Elisha. He threw his cloak around him and it was an invitation to follow him. And Elisha did it with gusto. Apparently he was from this wealthy family because he was out in the fields plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And so he asked for a moment to kiss his family goodbye Elijah agreed. And then here's what happened. It says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. See, Elisha showed no hesitation in following Elijah. Now think about it. What if someone were following you around all last week The way Elisha followed Elijah. What would they see? What would you be modeling for them? Pastor and leadership expert John Maxwell has been really helpful for me as I prepared for this sermon. And he says, you can teach what you know, but you can only reproduce what you are. You can only reproduce what you are. So before we seek to invest in someone else, let's all do a little introspection this morning. Am I someone worth following you know the apostle Paul said imitate me as I imitate Christ as followers of Jesus we do want to imitate Jesus to rearrange our lives around the things that Jesus said and did and as we do that as our lives become patterned after Jesus we can increasingly model Jesus to others see Elijah was a man who was sold out to God and committed to God's work he wasn't perfect And the road wasn't always smooth and easy for him. But Elijah remained devoted to God. His life with God was something worth following. So coming back to our present chapter, when 2 Kings 2 begins, three times Elijah tries to ditch Elisha. Now, I have no idea why, but he does. But then three times Elisha refuses. Look at verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, "'Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan.'" And he, Elisha, replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Now, what do you think caused such steadfast devotion on Elisha's part? It's true that Elisha had seen his mentor, Elijah, do some pretty amazing things. Even in the few chapters since Elisha began following his mentor, Elijah, Elijah courageously confronted the evil and powerful King Ahab like we saw last week. Then Elijah challenged King Ahaziah when he wanted to consult a false god, Beelzebub. And when the king failed to repent, Elijah called down fire from heaven. But it's not just the fiery prophet talk and the showy miracles that kept Elisha following Elijah all this time. You see... Elisha knew that Elijah could not have done these things by his own power. The quality that made Elijah such an incredible prophet and such an amazing mentor was his vital connection with God. Elijah had spent considerable time with God and learned to hear God's voice. And then when he heard God, he courageously and boldly acted on it. Now, friends, so often when we think about the legacy that we're going to leave behind, we think about the high points. We think about all the achievements and accomplishments that might make us truly great. I mean, all of us have become a little concerned about generating a following, right? But think about somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo. He's got a half a billion followers on social media. It's kind of hard to really influence a half a billion people, isn't it? but what if we just personally invested in three or four people, really poured into them? Think of the real difference and impact that could make. So instead of starting with trying to generate a following, that's putting the cart before the horse, let's focus on who we are truly becoming. What are you modeling for others? Are you a person worth following? If we hope to invest in someone to make a difference that really outlasts us, then it's important that we are first and foremost investing in our own life with God. Now because the older Elijah had been modeling this, not only for the younger Elisha, but also for the other prophets, he has generated a bit of a following by the time we get to verse seven. The other prophets stand at a distance and Elijah draws on the power of God to make a way through the water on dry ground. Now if you were with us this last year as we studied the book of Exodus, you may be thinking, this sounds exactly like Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. And you're right. The narrator here in uh, Second Kings describes it kind of without much fanfare. Let's look at verse 8. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. But you know what? Despite its straightforward telling, this moment is richly significant. It signals that one era is drawing to a close and a new era is beginning. So just like in Exodus, as the Israelites left centuries of slavery in Egypt and marched through the dry ground of the Red Sea to the Promised Land. Now, Elijah and Elisha walk through the parted waters of the Jordan and we're reminded that we're about to witness another major transition passing of the mantle from one to another. So as we come one step closer to Elijah's final moments, we see another key step in passing the mantle, and that is mentoring. Invest in others. Elijah knows that his time has come. And to the very end, Elijah remains concerned for others and to furthering God's kingdom work. So kind of like a deathbed scene in the movie, Elijah offers Elisha one last wish. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? We'll come back to the answer in a moment, but for now, let's consider the question. What does this question tell us? Well, first of all, it tells us about the depth of their relationship between Elijah and Elisha. Elijah had become like a father to Elisha. They had this depth of relationship that showed a closeness and a loyalty, that can only come from the quality and the quantity of time that they had spent together. So here's the question, do we allow enough margin in our lives to develop this kind of relationship with other people? Are we willing to open ourselves up to someone else with this kind of friendship? I read a quote this last week that said, one measure of the real worth of a man is the number and quality of his friendships. If we're gonna make a lasting legacy by investing in others, it's gonna take an investment of time and friendship. And we see this in Elijah's life. Not only was he a person worth following, but he took the time to invest in others, in his protege, Elisha, and in the other prophets as well. So i want to ask you, who are you investing in relationally right now? Now, we're going to actually take a moment to brainstorm together, and I want to ask you to make a list of possibilities, of people you can invest in. So if you're taking notes with a pen and paper, maybe find a little blank spot on your page, or you can pull out your phone and make a list. Or if you're at home, you can find a pen and paper. And as you think of names, write them down. All right, we're going to do this together. So First, let me start with those of you who are children or teenagers. By a show of hands, I want you to talk back to me. By a show of hands, how many of you have younger siblings? Cousins? Neighbors? Okay, write their names down, because whether you realize it or not, there's a better than 80% chance that they are looking to you. They're following and watching what you do, and they're going to imitate you. And so this is your chance to mentor them. All right, now I want to talk to the adults. Start with the people in your own household. And again, I want you to talk back to me by a show of hands. How many of you are parents? All right, whether your children are toddlers, or teenagers, or adults, your job is not over. You get to invest in your child. No one can influence your child's life like you can. They need to see what it actually looks like to live a life that passionately follows Jesus. They're watching you, and you model that for them. So write their names down. All right, now we're going to move outside the home. Who else is in your life already that you can invest in? Again, you can raise your hands. Do you have coworkers that you work with who are younger? Or neighbors that you're interacting with? Or younger people that you serve alongside in ministry at church? Right, whether you're a participator or not, I think all of you have had a chance to raise your hands by now, right? So write their names down. These are people that you can invest in. And then as John mentioned earlier, we've asked you to consider Investing in the life of a kid in our church's children's ministry. Last week, we started with the ask, and we are praising God because six of you said yes. Way to go, guys. We are so excited about that. Now we just need 34 more. (laughs) So write that down on your list too, VRBC Children's Ministry. Now once you answer the who question, it's time to ask the how question. What does investing in someone look like? How do we share with others what God has shared with us? So now we're gonna take a look at Elisha and the way he answered Elijah's question. In his final moments, what is the most important thing that the older Elijah could impart to his protege, Elisha? Well, Elisha's answer to the question hits on the truth. It's that spirit-filled and spirit-empowered life. Now, when Elisha is asking for a double portion, That's the inheritance of a firstborn son. The oldest child would receive double the amount of the younger siblings, and then they would step into the shoes of their parents. And Elisha knew that he had big shoes to fill. And it isn't his mentor Elijah's fame or power or position that he covets. It's more of God's Holy Spirit. This intimately connected life with God that fueled Elijah's ministry that is what Elisha knows that he can't live without. And that's the most precious gift that we can pass on to others too. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul tells the new believers, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We invest in other people with deep relationships and sharing what God has done in our lives. You know, some translations of this verse say we shared our souls with you. Who are you sharing your soul with? A few of you may remember this guy from our church about 10 years ago. His name was Randy Ransom. And if you knew Randy, you knew that he was always so excited about what God was teaching him in scripture. And it was not uncommon in those days for somebody to say, you know, Randy shared this verse from me this morning and it's really had an impact on me today. Time after time, we would hear that Randy was sharing scripture with others in our church. He shared his soul, and it blessed a number of people on a regular basis. Now, when Elisha asks for a double portion of his mentor Elijah's spirit, Elijah responds that Elisha must see him when he is taken. That's kind of a weird thing to say, right? Even Bible scholars disagree about exactly what that might mean, But there seems to be agreement that it has to do with some sort of spiritual eyesight and how important that is. A spiritual mentor is someone who helps you to see your life through a lens of faith. They help you to see where God is at work. They help you to pay attention. They help you to discover spiritual insights and truths. And this is what Elijah wants for his young friend Elisha that he wouldn't miss out on what God was doing, that he would have eyes to see and a mind that could perceive it, and that he would have the boldness and the courage then to act on it. Now, as we move into verse 11, something unbelievable happens. At first glance, everything about this scene is supernatural, spectacular, really. Maybe you've thought about how you'd like to go when your time comes. I bet you never pictured it like this. Fiery horse, fiery chariots, and a whirlwind. Well, the chariot separates Elijah and his mentor, Elisha and his mentor. And so we see one is taken up to heaven and the other left behind. Now, as the gap between them widens, we see a very earthly, natural scene. Elisha cries out for the man who's been like a father to him. Deep in grief, he tears his garment, his cloak, and we feel Elisha's loss. But then we realize that something else is happening in this moment. When Elisha tore his garment, he's not going to need to mend it when his time of mourning is past. He won't be needing it anymore. He's about to get a new one. That mantle of authority that had been his mentor, Elijah's, is about to be passed on to Elisha. And Elisha suddenly realizes that both God and his mentor Elijah have been preparing him for this very moment. In the midst of profound awe and grief, young Elisha sees the culmination of Elijah's contagious courage. His legacy outlasted him. Because Elijah went beyond modeling and mentoring, and Elijah assured that God's work could continue by multiplying. He passed on the mantle. So all the time that the aging Elijah had spent investing in and mentoring young Elisha was leading up to this moment. And Elijah's legacy is remarkable largely because it outlived him, it outlasted him. It didn't stop with him. He multiplied his influence by passing the mantle on to someone who would succeed him. Now think about that word succeed. So often when we're talking about our profession or athletics or even our spiritual lives, we think about uh, the idea of succeeding or anything individualistically. We tend to think of all those categories individualistically, right? When we think about succeed, we think about a rise to the top. We call that success. But in God's kingdom, succeed has another meaning. It's not just a rise to the top, but it's about what comes after. In God's kingdom, succession is just as important as individual success. Let that sink in. Succession, that legacy of passing on the faith to someone else is just as important in God's kingdom as individual success. Remember I told you earlier about Philip Moody. The spiritual insights that he learned and passed on to me continue to bear fruit in my ministry today. I can't tell you how many times I've showed up beside a hospital bed with Philip Moody's words ringing in my ears. And now, as I have an opportunity to lead our care ministry here at VRBC, I have shared Philip's words with the other ministers as well. So Philip may never be famous for his success, but the legacy of his ministry has multiplied through a succession of ministers who have learned from what he taught me. And I've thought a lot about that idea this week, the idea of succession and success. Did most of you watch the Olympics this summer? All right, so I think, uh, here's another way to think about it. We think about running the 100-yard dash, or maybe as we get older, it starts to feel more like a long-distance race. But either way, it's our race. We run it alone. But really, the Christian life is a lot more like a relay race. It's not about how fast the individual runs, it's about when the baton crosses the finish line. And so getting a good handoff from one runner to the next is extremely important. And the Apostle Paul knew this. He spent considerable time investing in a young man named Timothy. Even as Paul saw the end of his ministry approaching, he's conscious of passing the baton or passing the mantle well. He can tell Timothy, continue in what you have learned. And he gives Timothy a charge to minister faithfully. And as he passes the mantle of his leadership, Paul can say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now, back at our scene where Elijah has just departed, the mantle that had lain symbolically on Elisha's shoulders was now permanently his to take up. Look at verse 14. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. Elisha takes all that he has learned from Elijah and he puts it into action. In this one verse, we can see that the handoff has been successful. The mantle has been passed. Once more, the mantle strikes the water. Once more, the water miraculously divides. And once more, the prophet walks through on dry ground to wherever God is leading him next. But see, Elisha knows this mantle has no magic. Without the spirit of God at work, there would be no power and no authority in this mantle. If Elijah has taught him anything, if Elijah has given him anything, it is that unshakable reliance on the Spirit of God. That's the power of the mantle. That is the most valuable legacy that we can leave. Now as Jesus prepares his own disciples for his impending death in Luke 9, he reminded them that the way we save our lives is by losing it in service to others. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Remember, the life of a follower of Jesus is not one of racking up achievements and glory. If we want to have a courage that's contagious, like Elijah to Elisha or like Jesus to his disciples, then let's focus on succession over success. Taking up our cross every day, we model what it looks like to passionately follow Jesus. We preserve our life by giving it away and investing it in others. And we multiply our own legacy and the kingdom of God as we pass the mantle. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful that you have given us your spirit, Lord, that you lead us and guide us and show us the way to go. Lord, we do pray that we would constantly desire more of your spirit in our lives, Lord, that we would focus on who we are becoming as we passionately follow you. And Lord, as we passionately follow you, we also think about that next word of our mission statement, together. Lord, would you help us to model for others what does it look like, and to mentor them, to really invest in them, to share with people what you have shared with us. And Lord, as we do that, would we be able to multiply the kingdom of God as we pass the mantle on to the next generation? We ask this in your precious name. Amen.